0: My name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of SMEVC, I sit down with Dr. Ricardo Ernst, he holds many roles at Georgetown University. He's the Barada Chair in Global Business and the Executive Director of the Latin American Leadership Program. He's received his MA degree and PhD in Operations Management from the Wharton School at University of Pennsylvania. And he's consulted with several national and international firms, including General Motors, Michelin, Rockwell, Casa Cuervo, Coca-Cola, Walmart, Pan American Health Group, and the World Bank. Through his Latin American leadership program at Georgetown, he's currently training the future leaders of Latin America. In this episode of Samia VC, we discussed his experiences building Latin American future leaders, why you should be optimistic and pessimistic about the future of Latin America, why Latin America is a perfect foundation for technological innovation, and why we should all focus on family a little bit more in the same way Latin Americans do. We discussed all this and more in this hilariously engaging episode of Samia VC. Okay, Dr. Ernst, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Georgetown?
1: No problem, more than happy to be here and share that with you. It's a little bit boring, but in any event, I'll do my best. I came to Georgetown in 1987, which uh, for your audience is probably ancient times. Uh, many of you were not even born there uh, then, so just think about it. I was already here when many of you were not even born. Can you imagine that? Just think about it for a second. So, it was a completely different world. It was a completely different Georgetown. So, um I came, I was going to go back to my, I'm originally from Venezuela, as many of you know, or if you don't know now, you know, I'm Venezuelan by accident. My mother is from uh, Poland. My father is from Austria. So genetically speaking, I'm European. However, I behave, I act, I talk, and uh, my accent uh, reveals that I am from Latin America. Proudly so. So I'm a very confused individual. So from the very beginning, I came uh, came to the U.S. uh, with a very clear intention of going back. To Venezuela, That's an important uh, thing for this conversation because uh, Venezuela back at the time was uh, heaven. I mean, uh, it was the best country in the world. It was a rich country, an oil country, a country where we had nothing, nothing, nothing to envy from any other country in the world. And it was really great. Uh, it's just that I came here to get my PhD. I went to the Wharton School. And then when I was going back to Venezuela, somebody said, hey, why don't you stay in the U.S.? I mean, if you're going to go back Uh, then most probably you never come back. So stay here in the U.S. and then play the professor for a couple of years and then go back. And then I thought about it. I said, "Eh, you know, sounds like a good idea. Let me do that. So I said, if I'm going to stay, it has to be in a university in a city that I like. And I like very much Washington, D.C. So uh, I asked, which one is the best university in Washington, D.C.? And people say, well, you know, if you really want to know, the best university is Georgetown. So I said, okay. So let me see if I can go there. I got a job. And the rest is history. So I have been teaching at Georgetown uh, operations management. That's my field, supply chain management, how to move products around the world in a global scale. So I started doing that for um, many, many years. That is the normal um, you know, um, venue for faculty. You come here as an assistant professor and then you keep going. But very rapidly, I realized that Georgetown is a, being a, the oldest Jesuit university in the country has a very important presence in Latin America. So I thought to myself, how can we use this platform to help the region? The region is in serious need for guidance for, you know, and uh, most importantly is to prepare people to go back. So we created like 16 years ago, um, the Latin American board. So we had like with another, uh, person we create a, a, an alum. I mean, not an alum. Actually, a, um, Alberto Beck is the name. We were talking for a while, thinking, you know, what would be the best way to use this platform? So we decided, why don't we use the network that Georgetown has? And at the time, uh, President Asnar, uh, the the president from Spain, was a faculty at Georgetown. So we said, why don't we create a Latin American board? Well, he will be the chairman, and then him as a chairman, you can imagine. The kind of access he has. So with that uh, rolodex in place, uh, we put together an amazing board. Is called still called the Latin American board, and that was uh, the composition was for executives in the region that are very committed to uh, Latin America. And then it was super super cool because you know these people could give us uh, what what they were giving us their time. And then Asnar was very instrumental in all that. And then very rapidly. We were thinking, what is the best way of helping? So we created the first. Uh, what was very important at the time, still is uh, there. It's uh, I. I was thinking. I had all this board, all these you know great people, and I was thinking to myself, how do I make them to be engaged and to be part of Georgetown? And you cannot, you cannot favor any country. I mean, we cannot be talking what are the issues in Venezuela because then the Argentinians are going to say, I don't care, you know. So I needed to find something that will be uh, engaging for all of them. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I thinking, said, you know, there's one word that actually you all need. And they were like, oh, really, and what is that word? Competitiveness. I mean, how can we, and then they were, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was something that will allow all the entire region from Argentina all the way into Mexico to relate to that. So we created the first a program that was called the Global Competitiveness Leadership Program. And the idea of the program was To bring young leaders from Latin America to come to Georgetown for many weeks. And then we would train them in the three dimensions of leadership social, economic, and political. There was a very important commitment, and that is you need to go back. You cannot stay in the US. If you stay in the US, we wasted our money. Actually, it's an investment because they're all a scholarship. So the number one commitment, you need to go back to your country. The number two commitment is you need to develop a project, uh, something that uh, we label the uh, multiplying effect, because if we are training in batches of 40 and Latin America has 650 million people, it'll take too long. So we said you need to do a project that when you go back, you're going to implement. So to date, we have trained uh, approximately like 800 people. We have many, 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 many projects. Everything is good going very well. Then like uh, six or seven years ago, we realized that it's not in, it's not enough to train the future leaders. You also need to train the people that work for the leaders. So we created a second program, and that program was called Innovation and Leadership in Government. So this is a program where we train the people working in government now in those countries. And then how can we give them tools so they can do a better job in what they do? Now think about it. You're bringing all these people from the region, young people or people working in the government. They Most of them, they have never left the countries. And most of them don't realize that there are other people in other countries with the same problems they have. So suddenly you have a guy from Paraguay sitting next to a guy from Colombia. Hey, Pedrito, you know, you have the same problems I have. Oh, wow. I mean, what a discovery. I mean, something that when you come out, you see it as a no brainer. But for them was like an interesting thing, and then we have developing a very interesting network. So all these guys are still very connected. All these guys still work together. We organize meeting reunions. The last reunion happened like uh, three or four weeks ago, where we have twenty-five cohorts coming to Washington, and then uh, they organize their own thing. They have speakers. They have all kinds of stuff, and most importantly. They share experiences, like how is the situation in Latin America improving? Now, I want you to keep in mind something very important. My, my philosophy in life is you need to be optimistic. You need to be optimistic. The situation down there is not very nice. So if you are not optimistic, then you turn off the light and you forget, and let's all come to America, and let's God bless America and the American people. You see what I'm saying? But that will be the end of the continent. So I think that no, no, no. We have to be optimistic about there because what I always tell them is, you know, your environment, your friends, your family, your surrounding, your ecosystem is in Latin America. If you come to America, this is an amazing country in every possible way. But, you know, um, your contribution to the country cannot be not even close to the type of contribution you can make in your countries. So when we do the selection process, I'm very careful, very careful about making sure that the people that come here are not using this as a, you know, as a way for getting another master's, another problem. You know, man, you need to just get some training on leadership. You get to know people your age, that have the same problems you have, and then go back. That's where you need to go, back to your country where you're coming from. And we have been successful uh, just pushing that. And uh, so I'm telling you one of the things that I'm doing in Georgia, I've done many other things, but that is basically the venue for Latin America. Now we are happy, uh, you know, this Wednesday, we're going to have the official inauguration of the Georgian Americas Institute. That is what's like the umbrella where uh, basically puts all the Latin American initiatives at Georgian. There are many initiatives at Georgian. Mine, uh, I have my own group, if you will, uh, that is called the Latin American Leadership Program. So that is mainly related to exec ed. Uh, how do we train people? It's not academic in nature. You don't get a master's. You don't get a degree. You get basically an exec ed and training. And that is what we do. There are others. I mean, you have a school of foreign service. They do a degree. You have the, a law school. They do um, something related to law. And so the three of us, the three of us are the pillars that sustain the and uh, Americas Institute. And that's what we are i've been talking too long now are you having a good time yet because you know i talk and talk and talk and talk but you know anyway so let me stop and then you you you, you ask questions or clarifications or anything you want to know
0: there we go i'm certainly enjoying it i'm sure the audience is as well you mentioned that we need to be optimistic about the future of latin yes. america and i think everyone listening by virtue of them subscribing and listening to a podcast about latin american technology and venture capital they are optimistic about the future from your perspective. Why should people be optimistic about Latin
1: America? We need to be be optimistic uh, first because otherwise it's really bad. But seriously, because I am am optimistic about the new generation. I think that the younger generations in Latin America, they come here if they come here, but they all want to be in their countries. They, They see a lot of opportunities in Latin America. So you need to differentiate what are the business opportunities, what are the government constraints, if you will. I wrote a book that was called Globalization, Competitiveness, and Governability. And in that book, we explain that at the end of the day, globalization and competitiveness are the opportunities that the world offers, in particular, globalization. Then competitiveness is the way you engage, is the way you take advantage of that. You know, I mean, I make the analogy, globalization is like the rain. If it's raining outside, then competitiveness is what type of umbrella you're going to use to go out in the rain. Now, the third variable, which is the important one, is uh, governability. And I say that governability can either help or hinder the other two. The first two are what we call the invisible hand of the market. You know, the markets are basically pushing people to make more money, to go, go ahead, and all that kind of stuff. The uh, third variable is what I call the visible hand. It's the visible hand because you vote. That's the only one that out of the three, you have some direct saying. And that's why I call it the visible hand. And the only way that these things can work out is when the invisible hand and the visible hand shake hands, because that is at the future for the whole thing. Now, I argue that our younger generation, some, many of them, are basically, on the people that have passed through our programs, I see that they do understand this. So many of them are already getting into the third variable, that they're getting into positions of government, and not necessarily you need to be the president to make an impact. You see, I always say, don't think about just the big, big, big solution. How are we going to solve the problems of the world? How are we going to solve hunger? I mean, this is very fascinating for an intellectual conversation. But at the end of the day, you need to do the day to day. So I'd rather do a lot of small projects that show results. And then that will make that one plus one is greater than two. You see what I'm saying? And it's also an environment in which the people that surround you will say, wow, look at him, look at her. Look at the way they're working and that becomes contagious. People then decide that it's also great to do good. Now, uh, we are in a, in a, you know, shifting a new paradigm that are uh, more than just making money, which was the paradigm when I was growing up, you know, in the 80s, making money was the mantra. Now, the new mantra is not to make money, it's just to be good, to be good to others. But that cannot be charity. And that's why we wrote another book that is called From Me to We, From Me, 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 Me to We. And then it's basically, how do you enlarge the size of the pie? And then I think that the new your generation actually embraces that concept, that, you know, how do we good? So answer your question, Latin America is full of people, a lot of young people, that uh, they see the opportunities, they see a very many interesting solutions in our countries. And even though they see the constraint of the governability, but that is something that, you know, we need to find a way of dealing with it. I'm a, a deep believer of the uh, public-private partnerships. I think that in Latin America, we have made a very important mistake, which is by separating significantly the private sector from the public sector. Like, you know, no, none of our pe- I'm young generation during my time, uh, you would be advised to work in the government. The government was something I like, know others do that. You don't do that. You are an engineer, you're a medical doctor, you're a lawyer. Uh, but no, I want to be like, no, 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 that's not for you. That's for all the people. And I think that's bad, 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 because, you know, the people in the government is the element that either helps or hinders how the others do. And if you go to all of Latin America, you see that many, many companies are there. I mean, uh, I always in, in my classes, I I like to joke about, you know, can you name three brands that come from Latin America? I mean, we have all the the global brands in our countries. I mean, if you go to uh, Panama, you, you feel that that you were kidnapped to Miami. I mean, it's exactly like Miami. And then if you go to like in any other country, you drive and you see from McDonald's to Burger King, to Chipotle, to you know to Starbucks, and then well, wait, wait a minute, why don't we have our own brands that are able to export to the rest of the world? Because that's the easy route. you know, It's easy because then we, you know we basically embrace that. And we have been taking the easy route through commodities. Our region has been lucky that we were blessed. We were blessed by a big curse, and that is raw materials. I mean, my country, Venezuela, you know, we had oil. And then, you know, you cannot be richer, but you become, you, you made a, a, an industry, a country that is dependent. It depends only on one, cur- on one uh, raw material. And that is really, really bad because you disregard industry, you disregard everything else because it's easy money. You see what I'm saying? Uh, and that is a problem. That's something that uh, the new generations in the region have embraced. I, I deeply believe that we have an amazing opportunity in high tech. And I'll tell you why. It's a very simple. Because high tech, high tech allow us to leapfrog, to leapfrog generations of technology. If you think about the ATM machines in the U.S., compared to some of the ATM machines in Latin America, the Latin American ATM machines are much better than the ATM machines in the US. Why? Because in the US we had ATM machines for many, 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 many years, they're obsolete. And then to change that technology is extremely expensive. But for us, we could implement the newer generation and that worked better. Actually, let's not go that far. How many times you use your phone in the district of Colombia, the nation's capital, the capital of the empire, and the phone doesn't work? I mean, you need to move, the the, the reception is not good. Man, what's going on? This is the empire. Empire. We actually have the empire building. But anyway, in New York, but anyway, you know, this is the nation's capital. The White House is here. Biden lives here. And then the communication is terrible. Why? Well, it's uh, complicated. But in Latin America, if you think about our phone system, I mean, it's many companies that are, you know, coming from all over the world because we have an amazing region to do all this experimentation and implementation and we embrace all of that. And then that is really fantastic. So in the high tech, we need to be creative. We need to find ways of actually thinking ahead. The other book that, you know, I have been involved big time is Innovation in Emerging Markets. And people think that innovation only happens in the U.S., in Japan. No, 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 no. You know, there are two main reasons for being innovative. One is you have a lot of money. And the second is you have a lot of needs. America has both needs and money. Latin America, we have only one needs, no money. So the issue is it's perfect for developing. And then let's talk about Mercado Libre. Mercado Libre is the best example. That's what we need to be looking for. That's one of the examples that you say, wow, look at those guys. Yes, look at those guys. They did it down there. You know, we have a market of 650 million people. And then we all have very many things in common. We speak the same language. We have the same, more or less, the same culture. We have many people have same roots. So it's just amazing. I mean, with the exception of Brazil, but it's the same Spanish. I mean, a person from Mexico will understand 100% what is being said in Argentina. I mean, we make fun of the accents, but at the end of the day, we fully understand what's going on. So I like to say, what, is, what, what, what looks closer to you in every possible way? A Colombian to a Venezuelan or a French to a German? And then in the European Union, they were able to create a European Union. And then these guys really had real wars. I mean, not about, like, you know, I don't like it, you don't like me. No, 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 no. First World War, Second World War, and today Europe has, the European Union, currency. I mean, think about it. Germany and France, let alone Italy and Greece, have the same currency. Can you, imagine, can you believe this? I mean, not only that it speaks in different languages, different culture, different religions, different traditions, different loyalties, different everything. And they were able to come up with a solution. And in Latin America, we still have this issue. So it's a long way uh, to go, but uh, I'm optimistic. I think that the more we do this type of training that we do at Georgetown, then those training programs will allow for our generation. I'm, I'm sorry, your generation. I am the old generation. I am the generation. Your generation is the important generation to understand that we need to open our minds. We need to be open to actually developing regions where we work together. Free trade of the Americas. I mean, how come we don't have something that is, you know, it's a. Can you imagine to sell from Argentina to Venezuela? You need to go through exchange rates. You have to go through all kinds of problems. You're like, are you for real here? Yeah. So, in the tech environment, there is hope because all goes through cyberspace. Cyberspace is the solution, so I'm very optimistic. As you can see, I am very much pushing. So all these drawbacks that we have in the political system don't let that don't let that disappoint you. I mean, we need to continue pushing. Get involved. Uh, be a participant. Um, I know that you believe in the give to others is important. Embrace that. I mean, um, I, in in the book we we always uh, you know we use an analogy that you know if we have one one pizza to share and I want to eat two slices then I need to start eating your slice and then you have less pizza than me. And then, but there's another solution and that is, why don't we, when we make the pizza, let's make it bigger. If we make the pizza bigger, then I can have my two slices, but you can still have two slices too. So you see, we need to find a way of enlarging the size of the pie rather than looking at how do I take more pizza from you or you, you see, it should not be a zero sum game. What I get, you get, what I get is away is taking away from you. No, I think that what I take if I work with you, then we can make it better for anybody else. And that is the direction that I think uh, Latin America is embracing more and more. Now, we need to be careful. There are many negatives. I don't want to touch on the negatives, but if you want me to touch on the negatives, then I can do like a kind of a, you know, hey guys, it's not everything that good. But uh, uh, we should be very, very careful for one of the main problems we have in the region. And one of the main main problems that we have in the region is out of our own doing. I mean, let's don't blame others. I mean, I don't like assigning blame. I don't like to complain because if you complain, well, you have a better solution. If you're going to complain, then give me a solution. If it's to complain just for the sake of complaining, keep it to yourself. Keep your complaint to yourself. But if you have a solution, give me a call. So just to tell you what I think is one of the main problems we have in the region. It's a serious problem that really bothers me big time, and that is inequality. Inequality in Latin America, is not only a problem in the world, but uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, and uh, it's kind of um, embarrassing to say, but the, the region in the world, the region in the world with the highest level of inequality is Latin America. And that is a big problem. And that is a big problem because, you know, I believe that if you work harder than me, then you should be ahead of me. I believe in that. I deeply do. But I think that the system has been um, designed or structured in such a way that the gap is too big. And then it allows you to really keep running and running without never turning back and see where is the other runner. You know what I mean? If you let the other runner, like, uh, you know, if it's a marathon, 26.2 miles, and you are in mile 20, and the other guy's in mile five, come on, man, turn around and take a break. You know, don't, don't continue running. I mean, what's or run, but but can you do something for that guy? Can you go and check? What happened to that guy? Why is he in mile five? Well, you're in mile 20. I mean, you have better shoes. You have better, better gels. You have a better Gatorade, and he's not drinking even water. You see what I'm saying? We need to make sure, okay, if you're better, you do better, you train better. You can say, well, I train better and I do. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. All of that, give it to you. But man, did you do anything to help them train? You're going to win anyway. So we should make something to close the gap of the race. And then, you know, if you're mile 20, I mean, make sure that they are at least in mile 15. You see, I mean, you're going to win anyway. But right now, and it has been historic that, uh, you know, we end up the marathon. We are already enjoying the prize while these guys are in mile three, not even in mile five. And I think that that's really sad. That's really uh, a problem that uh, we as a region have the highest level of inequality. And that's something that we have to work for. I think that your generation is uh, more embracing. They realize that that is important, and uh, that is where, where in uh, you know the the enlargement of the pie will provide that. You need to help the others not because of charity. Charity doesn't pay, but is another business model where by embracing them we can actually make to be better for everybody, including you that you want to win. But why that we need to move from a win-lose to a win-win. You see what I'm saying? That's what we need to do. From a win-lose to a win-win. The W might be smaller, but let's make it at least a W or a smaller W. And you can be here. But don't make it this. Right now is this. You see, I am in your screen and the losers are, you know, at the bottom. No, man, this is not nice. This is not nice. Not nice. Let's make. W, and then we are all be winning. Wow, this looks end up being very nice. You get this? So let's make it a win-win. So uh, that's why it's an element that that needs attention. I think that the uh, high-tech financial uh, fintech is great. Look what happened in Africa. Those guys uh, developed the M-Pesa, which is an amazing technology. It was not developed in the US or Japan or Germany. It was developed in Africa. Africa, my friends. And then you know, and that if those guys were able to develop that technology, how come we cannot do something that be used around the world? And then keep in mind, like you know, Mercado Libre is a good uh, beacon. I mean, it's a company that has shown to the world that they do fantastic. And then overall, you know, uh, keep working hard. I don't mind. I don't mind coming to the U.S. and get the training, the education, the network, the tools, and all that. But uh, look, uh, as uh, the market for us is the region. When is going to be the time that Latin America is going to show to the world the good, not only the bad? And uh, that is where I minimize the issues on governability. I think it's um, a drawback, if you will. But that should not be like, uh, you know, the threshold that stops us from pushing. Actually, we should look at that as an additional motivation to keep pushing forward. I'm uh, optimistic. I think that uh, people are getting better education. People, we, we are pushing. And then one way or another... Uh, we, we, need to keep uh, all of us working together.
0: Okay. So finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question with uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on?
1: well, very, well, uh, very few people agree with me. Well, I, I can tell you things that very many people agree with me. We have the most beautiful dance, the most beautiful people, I mean, looking. I mean, we have the, the, the metrics for that, Venezuela by far. We have seven Miss Universe. So you want a better metric than that? Now, we are the the most uh, simpatico people in the world. We are nice. We are funny. Like now, what it would be a bad thing? You know, maybe we don't have any bad things. We, we are so good we don't have any bad things. Now, one thing that we have that uh, I, I would encourage us to show to the world is the value for family. I mean, in Latin America, if you ask uh, Latin Americans, what's your number one, the most important thing in your life? Most of them are going to tell you family. And that is something that uh, we value. That's something that we should never change. And that's why when we push for them to go back, they don't see that as a problem because they're going back to their families. Now, what is uh, something bad? I mean, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think deeply because you know I'm sure there are a few things, but I don't want to just uh, go into that. I would say that Let's keep it at the positive. Let's keep it at, you know, uh, we can work with anybody and everybody. And, uh, you know, guys, uh, we have a, a beautiful future ahead of us. We are now passing through a very important, what I call inflection point. You know, it's uh, now with uh, COVID was a significant uh, recalibration of everything we do. The war in uh, in uh, Ukraine is another recalibration. So let's take those as so a ways for, you know, how can we push forward with us uh, Stronger, stronger, and, and and very important. All these inflection points are opening an amazing opportunity for Latin America. All these stories, we can do another one of these whenever you want about near shoring. Near shoring, which is a great, a great, a great solution. And many people are calling it friend shoring. Friends shoring. So we can be doing near shoring, and uh, you know that will be a great solution for Latin America. So be positive, be optimistic, keep it up. And then very soon, we are all going to be proud of what we have in Latin America.
0: Excellent. Dr. Ernst, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on the SME VC podcast today. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of SamiaVC. My name is Tripp Gorman. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. And don't forget to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.